Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Tossing and turning all night like a salad? It's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker, and I thought, if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate, so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. I'm Jill, and I'm a sober scientist who talks about the science and psychology of addiction. There are a lot of things that influence developing an addiction, and none of them are that we're weak-willed losers. In the Sober Powered Podcast, you'll learn how and why addiction develops, how alcohol changes the brain to keep us drinking, and most importantly, that you're not alone. The things you experience are experienced by many of us. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk to you about dry January and how a month-long challenge can help you. 
So even if it's not January when you're listening to this, a month-long challenge will definitely benefit you. So you'll learn the physical and mental health benefits of giving up alcohol for 30 days, a bit more of the history of Dry January and how it became so popular, and how giving up alcohol for a month can greatly improve your self-efficacy or your belief in yourself. I never did a month-long challenge, but I will share about my experience giving up alcohol for 90 days and what I learned from that break. It's a really valuable experience to take at least a month off alcohol. So let's dig in. Alcohol use is a major contributor to the global burden of morbidity and mortality. It is a major cause of loss of workplace productivity, car accidents, disease, and early death. Because of this, many governments try to find ways to get people to drink less while still drinking. The most popular version of this is Dry January, which was created by Alcohol Change UK in 2013. Other examples around the world include Dry July in Australia and New Zealand, La Tournée Minerale in Belgium, hope I said that right, Defi 28 George Sans Alcool in Canada, again, I hope I said that right, sorry if I didn't, Canadian listeners, and Buddhist Dry Lent in Thailand. So the purpose of these campaigns are to support anyone who wants to drink less. Research shows that greater support during a dry month challenge results in a greater likelihood of completing the challenge. Millions of people attempt dry January every year, and it's been found that many of the people who sign up report harmful patterns of drinking. The World Health Organization's Alcohol Use Disorders Identification Test, also called AUDIT, has been used recently to assess the drinkers who register, and the mean score is 12, where a score of 8 or above indicates a person is at risk for alcohol use disorder. 29% of participants who registered for Dry January had audit scores of 16 or above, which is high risk. I will send the audit questionnaire out in my weekly email, so if you don't get emails from me, you can sign up in the show notes. A few studies from 2014 to 2018 found that taking one month off drinking has tons of benefits, including less liver fat, lower cholesterol, and lower blood glucose levels. If you want to learn more about why alcohol causes fat to be deposited in the liver and how it raises cholesterol and glucose, then check out episode 23. I explained the whole process in that episode about what your blood can tell you about your liver health. The most important part to know is that by one month, you will have significant improvements in your physical health. A 2016 study done by Dave Visser and colleagues published in Health Psychology found that a one-month challenge is also associated with improvements in self-reported sleep quality energy levels, concentration, well-being, and with a reduction in alcohol intake when the person goes back to drinking. This study also found that positive changes are even found in participants who did not complete the challenge but just reduced their drinking. So even just drinking less can result in lots of benefits both physically and psychologically. So this is an abstinence-based podcast. I know that there are people who can moderate with drinking rules who listen to this and people who do not struggle with alcohol in any way. So for you guys, taking a month off or reducing your intake will still give you lots of benefits. It's always better to drink less, no matter what. Even if you go from 100 drinks a week to 80 drinks a week, it's better. 
So I never did dry January because I could not imagine not drinking for a month. I was never trying to get sober until I actually did. Before that, I was just trying to learn to moderate my drinking. I had a friend once ask if I would do dry January with her to support her, and I said no, and it's something that I still feel really bad about. The thought of not drinking for a month freaked me out too much, and I really just didn't think it would benefit me in any way. My goal was to learn to moderate, not be sober, so that meant that I needed to practice starting and stopping. Not drinking at all wouldn't help me moderate, and I know that's ridiculous logic, and I hope that it is making you laugh, because now it makes me laugh looking back, but that is what I believed for so many years. So even if you identify with this warped logic that I had, taking a month off does help for all the reasons that I just went over physically, but I will explain shortly the insight that you gain about your drinking from taking a month off. So if you want to learn more about my moderation journey, then check out episodes 9 and 16. And I also talk a lot about this on my YouTube channel. In a follow-up study by Dave Visser from 2020 published in Alcohol and Alcoholism, they looked at the difference between people participating in dry January and the general population. They found that people who participated in dry January had higher socioeconomic status. So that's good at least. That means we're generally higher educated and make more money. And they also found participants had better physical well-being, but poorer psychological well-being. They drank more had lower self-efficacy, or they believed in themselves a lot less, and were more concerned than the general population about how their drinking was impacting their health. Drink refusal self-efficacy is the belief that you are able to refuse or resist drinking alcohol. So this study from 2020 found that dry January was associated with an improvement in drink refusal self-efficacy and in a reduction of alcohol intake. They found that these changes did not exist for the general public that did not participate in the challenge and in people who attempted the dry January challenge but did not complete it. So your belief in yourself matters. And if you believe that you are a failure who will never stop drinking, then that's what you'll become. Drink refusal self-efficacy is important for all types of drinkers. And I think a main reason this improves during a month-long challenge is because participants experience life without alcohol. They have several weekends where they have to not drink and find something else to do. They have to socialize without alcohol. And this leads to believing that they are capable of having fun and socializing without alcohol, which is a huge part of drinking less or not drinking at all. One major limitation of this study though is the participants that followed up. And this is really important to mention. The goal was to follow up with participants after one month and again at six months to see what their drinking was like. So at the six-month follow-up, only 37% of the dry January group followed up compared to 53% of the general population. A large portion of this is just laziness, forgetfulness, and just being too busy with life to remember to follow up. But I think the big drop in follow-ups in the dry January group suggests that many of them went back to self-destructive drinking and felt too ashamed to report that. So again, that is just my opinion, but it's my thought on the big difference in follow-up numbers. 
Other interesting statistics from this study include that people who participated in dry January were more likely to exercise more, almost 49% of participants compared to 24% of the general population. They were also more likely to improve their diet, so 52% compared to 28% of the general population. And in this study, about 70% of participants who registered for the challenge and received support completed the challenge compared to 36% who tried to do it on their own. So this speaks to how important getting support is. And if you're trying to stop drinking, then you greatly improve your odds of success if you get some support. So this could be working with a therapist or attending meetings like AA, Smart Recovery, Sober Mom Squad, The Luckiest Club, or Tempest. Don't be afraid to get support. If you are drinking heavily, then you may experience withdrawal when you stop drinking, and the worst of it will be during the first 72 hours, and overall withdrawal may last up to 14 days depending on how much you drink, for how long, and on your genetics. Episode 38 is all about withdrawal if you're interested in why that happens and what to expect. So this is why taking a week or two off drinking is not long enough to see the benefits because you're just getting through the withdrawal stage. Even though this stage sucks, you're improving your self-efficacy at the same time. So even if you've done a week or two off, don't feel like that was a waste of your time. You improved your self-efficacy during that time. You're getting through the witching hour, which is those few hours after work, the weekends, and maybe socializing without alcohol. Maybe you're getting through a highly stressful event without alcohol. So the more stuff you do without drinking, the more you prove to yourself that you don't need alcohol. So after you get through the withdrawal stage and start to feel better, you should notice improvements in your physical and mental health. And it's important to note that if you were a very heavy drinker, the improvements may take a bit longer to show up, especially sleep, since insomnia is really common. Your baseline for how good you feel every day should be increasing too, because when you drink a lot, you don't realize that your baseline well-being is pretty low. You get used to feeling mildly hungover every day. And by the middle of the month, you should start to feel what existence can be like without that baseline terrible feeling. By the middle to end of dry January, you should start to recognize the negatives that alcohol was bringing to your life. So that could be increased anxiety or depression, suicidal thoughts, self-hatred, crankiness, less patience for your family, lower productivity at work, broken sleep, exhaustion during the day, and so many other negatives. So I said earlier in this episode that I never did dry January, but I did challenge myself to 90 days sober as a desperate attempt to keep alcohol in my life. And I noticed right away, even during the withdrawal stage, that my anxiety and suicidal thoughts went away. And a few weeks later made the connection between the way that I was drinking and feeling suicidal and anxious. So that realization is what ultimately allowed me to quit for good and accept sobriety. It's really powerful when we learn and acknowledge the negatives that alcohol brings to our life. We think it helps with all sorts of stuff, but when you take a month off, you'll start to see what alcohol is actually doing. And even if you go back to drinking, you can't forget that knowledge. Dry January is really popular, with about one in seven Americans participating in 2021. In 2020, it was estimated that about 3.9 million people participated, 
compared to over 6.5 million people in 2021. So if you've been considering taking time off drinking, then dry January is a great time to do it. It's very socially accepted to not drink in January. And it doesn't mean that you're a raging alcoholic. You don't have to worry about people wondering why you aren't drinking or questioning you about it. So if you do complete dry January, then consider extending it into February because even though many of the physical improvements happen in the first month, the biggest cognitive improvements happen around the 60-day mark. So I explain this timeline and what to expect in episode 60, and I'll link a bunch of helpful episodes to check out along with that one in the show notes. When I hit two months, I remember having this huge burst of mental clarity. I could think clearly for the first time in years. And this is what really allowed me to understand the link between feeling suicidal and my drinking. I still thought I could learn to control it and had every intention of going back to drinking, which I did do after the 90 days. But this connection that I formed between drinking too much and being suicidal is what got me out of drinking eventually and back into sobriety. So I drank for six more months after those 90 days, and it would have gone on a lot longer if I didn't know that alcohol was the cause of my misery. So overall, if you're considering doing a month-long challenge, dry January or whatever else, then definitely do it. You'll learn a lot in those 30 days. Plus, the popular months like January, July, and October are the easiest time to take on a challenge like this because no one's going to question it. So these dry months are so popular and accepted in our society. Make sure to check out all the episodes that I've linked in the show notes for more information on how your mental and physical health improves in the beginning. But overall, I really believe in you. I know you can do it. I have a quick start to sobriety ebook that's also linked in the show notes that is free to download. And it's just a list of like literally every resource that I could think of dumped into a PDF. So make sure to download that if you don't know where to start to find support. And you got this, and I'll talk to you next week. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how to's for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.